The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. new music from the legendary Boomtown Rats. It's called Trash Glam Baby. Now, with seven solo albums, seven albums with the Boomtown Rats, eight Nobel Peace Prize nominations, countless TV and music awards, Bob Geldof is the epitome of Irish success. Well, he's now back with a new exciting album with the Rats, a beautifully written book of his lyrical story telling and a documentary illustrating the success of the band. Now, I spoke to Sir Bob before the premiere of his documentary last week and first we go back in time to the very beginning when he was undoubtedly a very angry man. So, what made him angry? Uh, the conditions of, I suppose, and cliche everyone knows that so I repeat it. Uh, I think what happened in the family, there was just this nuclear explosion. Um, so... Everybody knows my mum died very young. Uh, my dad, the only job he could get was selling towels and rugs and things around the countryside of rural Ireland. So he'd go away on Monday and come back on Friday. There was no option in, rur- in the rural economy of, of, of 1950s, early 60s Ireland. So my sisters and I were left to our own devices and that was not great. So my eldest sister got married as soon as she could, didn't want to be a surrogate mother. My middle sister was the family SWAT, the nuns sort of looked after her and I'd come back by myself and uh, no money, no heating, no telly in those days, no nothing. So um, you grow up without the centre of authority in any family, which is the parents. So you learn the parameters of what's permissible or what society will allow you to be. So you you learn about authority. I never had that. That's the first thing. I didn't have the coming home to a meal or the family rows or stuff like that. Uh, An indication of that is once I got uh, pleurisy and I was up in the bed for three days and nobody knew I was there because Lynn was off in school and that and eventually she said I haven't seen Robert for a while so she came up you there yes I am I'm almost dead you know <laughs> but you're eight or nine you know so uh, I there was no self-pity that's just and it wasn't dad's fault like he tried to have someone come in and we just wouldn't have it so um, uh, you grow up with a sense of things not being fair there was no again you're not going to and everything stems from that I mean um you know this story that if you have tough times, you're resilient. I mean, you've had to show resilience over the years. By God, you have. Mm. Do you think it's born out of that tough time? I don't think anyone has any options. I mean, with the stuff that assaults you in life, um, in my case, extreme highs, extreme lows, um, you know, what's your options? 
Pat. I seriously, like, you know, what are your options? Collapse? Um, I, I, to your point, I think you, you invent your own world. And I think this is a commonality. It's a trope amongst the entrepreneurial type. There's famous ones. Um, Richard Branson, uh, Winston Churchill, hopeless at school, um, socially awkward to the nth. The world is not welcoming to these people at all. So you, you need to invent an own universe within which you are comfortable. And so what was left to the three of us, I guess, in our family, but specifically me, because I was the youngest, was I had to invent an own world within which I could function. And therefore, all the other parts of the world would batter up against this or batter up against me so the priests would beat you because you were scruffy in school. But I didn't have an option. I'm a kid and I'm nine. I'm not going to go to the laundrette, you know, I'm just not. So, or more pertinently, you come up against another authority figure like the police a little older and you just don't get why this guy can tell you what to do. So you get into trouble. Um, And so all the time you're trying to invent something that you can get lost in or or, or make functions for for what's happening to you. So pop music saved me. It seemed to articulate everything that I was feeling. It also pointed a direction. But you, to your original question, I think you mistake uh, an anger at what's happening to you and the conditions and the thing, and you extrapolate that externally against authority, the state, etc. And so there's a rejection of that and you create your own world. And um, that's all I've done all my life. A young guy who leaves school, goes to work as a slaughterman, and then comes out with lyrics and a level of articulation and literacy that would seem to belie that kind of youthful experience. So where did that come from? I think reading. Again, you come back to the fact that there was Radio Luxembourg, our generation thing. Station of the stars. Yes, and out of that improbable microstate, you know, a golden thread was lowered through the purple rock and roll ether, which I clung on to and still do. And, and it's been the one mean where I could understand the world. I mean, so... You've moved now from the incoherent rage of Little Richard and the lack of opportunity in the great American dream and the animal force of nature of Elvis to an articulation of that. So you've got the Beatles and their impudence, their lack of deference to authority and smiling their way brilliantly and you know it's all it's all great it's optimistic and joy and the the contemptuous insolence of the rolling stones and then bob dylan mapping it out saying it's changing get out of the way and here's the language of change the rhetoric of change and therefore here's the platform of change and change is inevitable and it is desirable and you know dude it helps if you can help to steer that change in the direction you want. That's what I took from it. And the books I was reading, because again, no telly, no one at home to make me do homework. I'd light the gas oven and I'd put my feet in the gas oven because it was f***ing freezing. And I'd make my tea and I'd just sit there with books from the Leary Library or the school library. And the books I took to were the ones referred to by Mick or Bob or John um, Steinbeck, Studs Terkel, Woody Guthrie, 
and I was reading about these dispossessed, impoverished people. And then I read James Baldwin because Dylan was reading that. And that led me to that guy Patton who wrote Cry the Beloved Country about South Africa. And I deeply, I think, I remember sentences from these books. And Dickens, One Summer of Pleurisy, I read Dickens and just ran through it. And in a, in a nutshell, these are the romance of poverty, except there is no romance in poverty because I was living that. It was a genteel bourgeois poverty, which is perhaps the worst because there's a shame to it and there is no shame in poverty and there's no need for it. And so that's, I, I, I rocketed off my chair there because it deeply angers me still. And so that's been it. And the clue was in the name. You know, Band-Aid and Live-Aid and my way of dealing with things, the clue is in the Boomtown Rats. Well, you got that name through Dylan onto Woody Guthrie and a story from his own childhood. The great musical activist, the poet of the dispossessed and impoverished of America of the 20s and 30s. And new kids come to town because they've discovered oil, boom chasers they were called. And the new kids obviously want to join the old kids' gang. And the captain of the gang says, you can't join. And Woody, at 11, is this ripe social conscience, as did I, (laughs) I thought. And he rebels against this and sets up his own gang. And they become bigger quickly because there's more new kids in town. And the captain goes to him and says, are we having a war? And Woody says, if you want a war, I just don't want to be part of the old gang. And he goes, you, you, you mangy boomtown rats. And that, <laughs> I, that, so we've got now a we had a I mean, you were the night, nightlife thugs? For, for, I wanted a name that conjured up the sense of who we were and the sound we made without you even seeing us. Yeah. Gary Roberts wanted traction. I think the current parlance is WTF. You know, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, what's the word, you know, so... Yeah, but uh, if you were called the, the, the Daisy Hoppers or something like that, it, it couldn't have happened because... It couldn't have happened. And the Rolling Stones, if they were called, you know, me and my baby, yeah, it's it not couldn't an have accident. happened. It's not an accident. Um, you know, uh, and I'm more convinced of that now. Uh, I wanted the definite article. Yeah. Rock and roll had for Genesis. You know, yes... Uh, so, you know, Led Zeppelin. Well, you know, it's, it's crap rock and roll. What happens? You know, you've got to put, if we put the definite article, the the Kinks, the Who, the Small Faces, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the the, the Boomtown Rats, and I want you to be able to shorten it to the, the rats. rats. Well, you see, when we heard the name, we already felt as if we knew the band. It had that kind of resonance straight away. Yeah. You know, if I haven't heard of them, well, I should have heard of them. Because... Called Marks and Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brand <laughs> awareness, you know. <laughs> but for the first time, I remember um, going to Moran's Hotel yeah. to see you guys. Yeah. And it was unprecedented. And you write about it in, in your book, Tales of Boomtown Glory, which reproduces all your lyrics. And there are some essays which accompany yeah. uh, the lyrics. But to see people queuing around the block for a Dublin band, that was rare. It was rare, and it it was um, a red alert moment for me. Um, it was there were three gigs in Dublin. Like you know, this is old boys talking, but it needs to be put in perspective because I'd come from writing about music in an underground newspaper in Canada. I was an illegal. To get into America, I had to get in the boot of a car and drive over the border. But when I drove over the border, I'd go to San Francisco, where there was a young magazine called Rolling Stone. 
and I'd go to the beach in San Francisco with Allen Ginsberg and stuff. And in Detroit, there was a guy called John Sinclair who'd just been put in jail because he'd started a political party called the White Panthers. There was the Black Panthers. He started two bands called the MC5 and Iggy Pop, and they were to be political. So I'm in this underground paper, I'm the music editor. Turned out I could write. And the Mounties come looking for me because I'm a bit of a troublemaker, and they find me and kick me out and throw me back to Dublin. I come back to nullity, this, this, this void and this silence, this great silence, this cultural suffocation. You know, in the documentary, Sinead O'Connor says, you weren't allowed to be angry then. You had to be quiet and accept. No. And going back, I had to share a bedroom with my dad uh, because any rooms he had available in the house, he tried to let out for extra books. Yeah. So over my bed, a single bed, he had a double bed, over my bed was a single huge poster from the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. And I remembered that the, it, was, it was dark black and stark white. And it was the mushroom cloud of the atomic bomb in white and a chalky black, which I used to touch before going to sleep. And just this big word underneath the mushroom cloud, it just said, no. And if you want to know, <laughs> what it's just generally no. That's, that's, that's the default position. Um, and when I came back, I just thought, no, no. And the only thing I knew from my masters and from writing about music still was that no is not always a negative. That there, you can have a great, big, glorious, you can do that. And the way to do that is rock. But there is no rock radio. There are no rock posters. There are nice, polite bands doing funk or country rock. And there's three bars to play in. And there's nowhere else in Ireland to play except show band places. No. And show bands were anathema because they were the death of this thing. I understand what they were supposed to be, but they were a cultural nullity. So once we had the name, there was intent and purpose and it comes to a head for a generation when we appear with Gay on the late, late. And then things begin to seriously kick off. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.